Well, hey there, mamas. I hope you're having a great morning or a great evening. If you're listening to this at night, I hope you've had just a great day. I'm super excited to share this episode with you today because I get to have a conversation with my sweet friend, Amber Houston. Amber and I met back in 2005 when we were both interviewing for a traveling consultant position with our sorority. And we've held multiple positions together throughout the years and have served together and worked together. Amber and her husband live in South Carolina with their daughter, Hattie, and they're currently expecting their second child. And I'm just excited to share Amber's story today and her wisdom about all things motherhood and working mom life. So thanks for joining me today for this episode of the Memoirs from the Minivan podcast. Well, good morning, Amber. How are you? I am doing well. It is a gorgeous sunny day here in South Carolina. So I am sitting out on my all seasons room and have the windows open for once before it gets too hot. So it's a a good start to the day. Right. I love that. I love that. Well, thanks so much for joining me today on the podcast. I was just thinking about how far we go back (laughs) and (laughs) we met, I think, think like almost 16 years ago, 15 or 16 years ago when we were interviewing for consultants uh, for the sorority and, you know, much has changed since then. But it's it's funny when you start approaching these later years, you're like, oh, yeah, we've been friends for a long time, uh, like 15 years, you know. <laughs> it, it, it definitely feels different when you start putting double digit numbers yes. on a friendship. When you met as adults, especially. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Well, to kind of get us started, can you tell listeners a little bit about who you are and your family and what you do? Yes, I am. Well, I'm expecting I am 32 weeks along, so we'll soon be a family of four. I currently have a two and a half year old daughter who is, we shall say, strong willed and have been married for... Uh, gosh, uh, 10 and a half years. And we recently, I say recently, but a year ago, relocated from Indianapolis to South Carolina because I took a new job. I was at that point in my career or it was time to, to take that next step, which is, you know, I was in a job that I loved and had really great support. And it was, I don't, I wouldn't say comfortable, but I knew it inside and out. And uh, a year and a half ago, there I was approached about an opportunity that would really help me just take my career to the next move. So we picked up from an amazing network and a, a family of friends and a you know a life that we had built in Indianapolis sure. and relocated to to South Carolina, which is very different. You know, the South and the Midwest have some similarities, but also a number of differences. So that's a little bit about you know. Me right now, it's I I work for a national association that works very closely with higher education, and also happens to work uh, with a lot of events. We a majority of our association activities are very large scale in person events. So mm-hmm. the past year, the past eight months has been the most challenging yeah. work that I've ever ever faced. Yeah, for sure. And I was going to ask about that. You know, I I think 
prior to March of this year, we all kind of had just life as normal and we were busy and working and doing all of the things. And then for me and a lot of the working moms that I've talked to, everything just came to a screeching halt as if the world almost stopped spinning. And so talk to me about like how that has been for you and like in this season of COVID and quarantine and isolation and having to really pivot um, in business and in work and in parenting and in all of it, like what has that looked like for you and what have you kind of learned in this process? Goodness, I would say it's been the most challenging part of my life that I've ever had you personally and professionally. So professionally, because so much of the national association that I happen to be the executive director of it, we, our revenue comes from large scale in-person events. Yeah. We had to, we had to engage in a lot of difficult conversations about how do we adjust? How do we change our revenue model? How do we service our members and remain relevant? Mm -hmm. And so that meant challenging and pushing ourselves as a team. And of course, I hadn't yet been on staff for a year yet. So I was still forming the team that I was leading. And that escalated things quite quickly. So we actually have been doing at work more now than they had previously been doing Mm. for many years, because we had to make sure that we were relevant and a resource to our members and could be that community, could be that place that they could go to to help them solve their problems that they were facing in higher education and our other membership, because we have three different components of membership. So it was mentally challenging and I'm, I'm very proud of my team because we rose, we've, we have risen to the challenge and we have delivered a plethora of new services and resources that had never existed before because mm-hmm. I had to fight to make sure to be that place that they could come to for their solutions so that we could continue to be successful as an association. And I, I, I did have to face the most difficult professional decisions I've ever had to make. Now I was also then shifted to working from home. My yeah. husband works from home hundred percent of the time because we moved here for for my job and luckily his employer was supportive of our family growing and, and taking on new opportunities. So he works hundred percent from home. Our daughter is typically in day school. So she was home with us. Yep. I also was newly pregnant and had a very difficult first trimester. Oh, I would, I was extremely sick. I, I didn't realize how good I had it with my first pregnancy. <laughs> This one, uh, this one, as the doctor said, really kicked me in the pants. Yeah, I was. So to be tackling those challenges at work and engaging in the most mentally taxing days where you're caring for your little one while also working, while also being in a first trimester that uh, was was extremely difficult, made for the first couple of months of, of the pandemic very uh, very trying, uh, but we but we made it. You know, you, I very much took it of one day at a time, and sometimes it was hour at a time, given how sick I was and how we were managing childcare while yeah. both working full time. Yeah, no, that I mean, it. I, I've heard so many stories, and they're all similar in the fact that it was just 
Some days you were getting through the day. Some days you were literally just getting through the hour. And I remember thinking, because same with us, you know, Jeff came home. I already had the flexibility to work from home quite a bit, but then came home full time. And then both kids are home. And so we have one office in our home. And my husband's job, mostly he is on the phone for about half of his day. And so I'm like, well, you obviously cannot be at the kitchen table and talking on the phone all day with kids asking for goldfish and Cheerios and TV and all these things. So I'm like posted up at the kitchen table and I'm, you know, navigating while trying to also not watch whatever the kids are watching. And it was just... It was just so hard. And I think for the first time, I really kind of learned the meaning of grace in terms of like, I have got to just give myself a second because I just can only navigate so much, you know? So um, do you have any like big takeaways now that you're kind of, I wouldn't say we're on the other side of it by any means, but we're navigating better and figuring out how to live amongst what's happening. So um, what has this taught you or have you had any major takeaways from it? I already knew that I had a truly amazing spouse, but the, the, the degree, the care that he took to know that I was giving every ounce of energy I had to problem solving at work and working at a, working and asking my team to work at a pace that they had never worked at before while also being so sick and having a two-year-old at home to see him sacrifice so much of his time where he would work early in the morning and then work really, really late at night because, so we could balance out our video conference calls and our, you know, so that we could juggle all of our work calls. So for me, you know, there's a lot that I learned, but what I will always take away from this time is how much he gave to make sure that he was taking care of me, taking care of our daughter and us also working. He was, you know, trying to make sure that anything he could do so that I wasn't as nauseous or, you know, any, like when it came to all the, he took over all the housework because all the energy I had went towards work and which, you know, me really trying to, you know, I was definitely faking it the energy that I had on my work calls. So that's my, I will always, when I think back about that time, I always think about how much Andy gave to us family. That is so awesome. And that, that, that is so cool. I think, you know, it's been a time where we've had to reevaluate our roles and we've had to like have, it's almost like when you get married, you have sort of expectation conversations. And then when you have kids, you have another expectation (laughs) conversation about how this is going to change, you know, kind of how we do things. And then I feel like with COVID, you needed a new expectation conversation because it did sort of just upheaval everything, you know? And so, um, that is awesome. It, I relate so much because Jeff and I are like that just in partnership of we just have to figure this out together and when one cannot give the other one just has to make up the difference and that sort of ebbs and flows and all of that so I mean talk to me about pregnancy during COVID and how that has been for I cannot imagine you know that piece of doctor's appointments and just being in and out of doctor's offices and things and um, you know, some of the uncertainty and unknown of that. So what's going through your head with that? It is, it is one of those where I, the approach I have taken and my doctor has taken of 
don't worry about three months down the road. Don't worry too far ahead. Like let every appointment it was, and I really appreciate her pragmatic style, but her approach was, this is what we know right now. So yeah. this is what we're doing this week and these next couple of weeks. You know, it's been a very different experience, taking away just even how I feel. Andy went to every single appointment with me oh, with our daughter. He has yeah. not been able to go to any of them yeah. right throughout this pregnancy and likely won't be able to since I'm, you know, I've got eight weeks till my due date, he, he likely won't get to even meet my doctor or you know, whoever happens to be on call that day until we arrive at the hospital. Oh, and even when I talked with the hospital the other day, since they're not doing tours, right. they're doing phone calls to orient everybody. I, they said, here's what we're doing right now, but this is very subject to change depending on cold flu season and COVID. And so, you know, I appreciate the work that they're doing and how hard they're trying to communicate to say, here's, here's what you can, what we're allowed to do right now, but we can't promise that that's going to be the same state, the same expectation when you're here to deliver. It has been, it's been different and that's just the best way I can describe it. And the, the doctor's appointments, the protocol, when you go in and also the, I've not been able to uh, just, participate in life the way that you know you typically do yeah. because I have to be that much more careful about who we as a family are exposed to and therefore who I am exposed to so we that you know I've been limited on where we're able to go you know we were practicing safe physical distancing and and really you know didn't leave our neighborhood we did a lot of family walks and mm-hmm. uh, hung out in the backyard we have far more toys in the backyard than we used to (laughs) (laughs) but uh it is it's just been one of those where I've had to make choices to not participate and do things because I'm thinking about the the health of four people and then also thinking ahead about when baby arrives uh, we know that we have to we've been having very difficult conversations with our family because they respect that there are safety uh, protocols that have to be in place and that our baby likely won't be able, our family won't be able to meet our baby for quite some time. So now my mind has started to shift into thinking about post-delivery and what does that look like and preparing for us to continue to stay home and have very limited contact with people. Yeah. Uh, so that's that's been that's just been kind of our normal that has become our life. But I think for me, and I've, somebody else asked me this question, how are, you know, how are you handling the anxiety of of COVID with a pregnancy? And I, I just, I put a lot of faith in the doctors and the nurses and just, I don't allow myself to get to the what ifs. I just, I, I focus on what I can control and what my family can control outside of that. I can't. So I don't want to exert energy on something that I can't control. Yeah. No, I I think there's just a lot of good nuggets that you said in there about, you know, I don't let myself get too far ahead of where I am. You know, I think a lot of mamas in particular working mamas when we're juggling so much stuff 
that there is that tendency to just get way out ahead of yourself, you know, well, what if this, and what if that, and what if, and I need to have all these plans, you know, laid out, um, just to cover the what ifs. And our pastor actually preached a message about this just this past Sunday on like, the statistics are that like 95 or 97% of the things that we actually worry about don't end up coming to fruition, right? So like, it really is a lot of time and energy that could just be spent focusing on exactly what you're doing, trusting Uh the people who know what they're doing, engaging with your family, enjoying that time and trying not to stress out or spend too much time thinking about the things that you can't control. Exactly what you said. I, I think that that's such a good um, perspective. So thank you for sharing that because I'm sure that transparency is probably encouraging <laughs> to another mama out there who might be where you are right now. Yeah, I think it was something I adopted years ago for work. And then maybe I've just, I think I've always been that way a little bit personally of, well, if I if I can't influence and I can't control it, then I'm not going to worry about it. So I think that that's also just a little bit in me. And then when I adopted it for my work mentality years ago, it's just, it's made a world of difference because my stress level and my anxiety level is, is different than others because I, I think because I've chosen to take that, like that is my philosophy Mm -hmm. and I know that I've got to exert my energy in other places. And so I think it's, to it also just from a, a pragmatic approach, it's being strategic with where I exert my energy and my mental capacity. Yeah. Where does that come from? Because I, I admire that, that there's this, if I can't influence it or I can't control it, then I'm just not going to worry about it. I think um, a lot of moms would love to have that. So is that something you feel like uh, your mom Peggy really instilled in you? Or is that just something you kind of figured out? Where do you think that comes from? I really think it's just a a mental decision I made. It was a commitment and an approach to life that I have made. And it I think it works in my favor because I I have a pretty tenacious work style and a pretty... I would say I'm aggressive with my with my aspirations and what I want my team to accomplish at work. So I think it's just a mental commitment that that I've made to myself and and just to say this is the stake I'm putting in the ground. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I love that. I think that that's awesome. Um, well, I wanted to shift a little bit to you know your role as a working mom and even thinking about pre-COVID. Um, you know, a lot of the women that are in my community, uh, talk a lot about balance and juggling all the things and how to prioritize and dealing with mom guilt and all of these things. And, you know, I love what Brene Brown says when she talks about, um, you know, don't feel guilty for not being there. Working mamas, don't do that to yourself. Just be present when you are there, you know, and I, I love that. I think that's a philosophy that I really try to adopt. But how, what, how do you deal with that? What is your kind of philosophy on balancing all of the things in life and, and fitting in all of the things that need, you know, your attention? I would say I come at it more about boundaries than balance. Uh, mm. Balance is hard to achieve, and I think that balance looks different every day of the week or every week, you know, just depending on what's happening. So I, I approached, especially once we had our daughter, 
about boundaries. And that was a conversation that Andy and I had when we were expecting. And so the, w- the way that I have approached it and have tried to continue to approach it, even with our world being turned upside down, is when my daughter is able to be, and once it was safe for her to return back to day school, that knowing that that was the best decision for her and being confident in that decision. And that was a choice that we made personally about our family. Mm -hmm. That is a very personal decision about how you educate and when you start that, when you want to put your child in school or in a different type of school, that is a very personal decision. So I would say being confident in that decision. And so then that way there isn't the mom guilt, because I I really appreciate that same quote from Renee Brown as well Mm -hmm. is that, And so for me, I think about it is having faith and confidence in the decisions that you're making. But when that, when that work day and that school day is over, you know, we wrap up at 435. That is at five o'clock. The phone is on a counter. It is not in my hand. We are outside playing. We are going on a family walk. We are cooking dinner together. We eat dinner together. And then it, my, my mental focus shifts to family until bedtime and then and then at bedtime is when I do my volunteer work and I have whenever I'm filling out a doodle for anything volunteer wise or if I'm looking at conference calls I don't schedule anything between 5 and 8 p.m. that is just a boundary that I have set because that is family time that is sacred and while my strong-willed daughter is definitely not asleep at that time, she is upstairs and should should be asleep. <laughs> it is a, a marathon of a, a bedtime right now. Uh, also, the uh, Google Calendar. My uh, Andy and I live by the Google Calendar because yes. then we we make sure that we don't schedule conference calls on the same nights, so that one of us is lead parent. That's what we call it, lead parenting and taking care of bedtime. So. I think it's those boundaries that I've set up of not being on the phone, being present and having fun and playing in the backyard and doing crafts together. Uh, my daughter always says, let's do an activity. I want to do an activity. She loves to do activities. So whether we're painting or we are drawing or playing at, you know, with her soccer ball, that's being there with her and not thinking about work, not taking a call. Uh, so for me, it's all about boundaries and being being upfront about those boundaries with my colleagues and with those that I volunteer with and, and not feeling guilty about those boundaries. Mm -hmm. And I think that that has helped significantly. Yeah. I actually love that. Um, sort of connecting the dots to balance, um, and boundaries and just like really, I, I love that. I've never heard that quite put that way before. Um, but I think that that's really good because otherwise you do really feel like, um, you're just juggling all the things all the time. And Katie Riggs, I interviewed her a couple of weeks ago and she said something that, you know, as working moms, we really can do it all, but we can't do it all at the same time. And so, mm-hmm. you know, when you think about balance, it's sort of like that perfect person with all these plates and <laughs> everything is in perfect sync, but boundaries really is just like, no, I'm, I'm holding one plate at a time and then I'm going to put it down and pick the other one up. And so I think that that's really good. I also think that you were talking about just being confident in your decision for what's best for your family. I feel like I hear from so many moms who talk about comparison and things like the Pinterest perfect everything and what's being put out on Instagram and all of this stuff. But I would imagine 
as you really just rest in the confidence that like, this is what Andy and I have talked about. We feel confident in this decision. Um, we don't compare someone else to our decision because we believe that they're doing what's best for their family. Can you talk a little bit about that? Because I think comparison is definitely something that a lot of us struggle with. And I get the impression maybe that you don't just because of how you have this set up. <laughs> And I don't, I don't know if, if maybe if that part of that comes from Andy and I have been married for a long period of time sure. before we have Patty or being older parents, yep. first time parents, some, I think that could contribute to it to a certain degree, but I also think that that's a, you know, a commitment that Andy and I made to each other that we are going to have discussions about how we approach our family and we talk through those things. Yeah. And usually you know, those conversations usually happen after bedtime so we can focus and, and talk about them together mm-hmm. and say, okay, here's what I'm thinking. Here's something I've read. So I think it is that mutual decision that he and I made and, but that mutual decision came about through, the conversations of we are going to be parents. How do we, how are we going to approach being parents together? Yeah. And, and I think going back to that has been just us setting ourselves up that way has been really helpful. You know, we, even when we were expecting for the first time, we read a couple of books and then we said, okay, this book, we both felt jived with our approach to life, our values sure. and, and what what we think is healthy. And we said, this is going to be the book that we're going to use to guide us when it came to parenting a newborn. And uh, so I think that setting out and having those conversations on the front end has really been beneficial for us to say, okay, when we're having a conversation about what choice to make about Hattie and now our, our next baby, we will do some research and we'll read and we'll share with each other. And then we just talk through it, but we definitely make sure that we talk through it when we can focus. And that's one of those, sometimes you, you want to start talking about it, but then we'll both look at you as like, ah, oh, this is not a good time. We'll talk about it when we can look at each other and think about it. And sometimes those conversations, you know, happen over weeks and because you, you bring up a point and say, okay, Andy, that's, that's really important. I want to think about that. I want to read what you sent me, but I also want to look into that a little bit on my own and then come back. And so we leave that very open as well, especially depending on the seriousness of a decision. Yeah, no, that's just so good. Intentional conversation with your partner, right? Like it's such a thing. It's so important. Um, I feel like, you know, I, when you become a parent, it doesn't mean you know how to parent. And so, you know, when you get married, it doesn't mean you know how to be married. And so I just love how intentional you guys are about being engaged in conversation. And I especially love that you like both kind of do your own research or you both read a book and then you come together to really talk about that. And I also love, and I want to just say this again because it's so good, if it's not a good time for you or you're not in a good place mentally or emotionally to discuss it, to say like, oh, this is really important to me. I really want to talk about this, but I'm just not in a good place to talk about it right now. Can we table it? Like so good because I think sometimes getting into a hard conversation when you're not ready or you're just feeling drained or whatever it is for the day can make that conversation really difficult and it makes the other person feel like, are you just not into this or whatever, but just being so honest in such a respectful way. And that just really, really resonated with me. I love that. I would say Andy's usually much better about that than me. He'll say, 
I'm not in a place to think about that. So can we, can we, so good. Can we talk about this more tomorrow? And I'll say, sure. He's so good about that. That's definitely something that he practices better than I do. But, you know, me, you know, because he has created that um, space, then he and I both feel really open to using it. Yeah. Well, and you learn from each other, you know, him exhibiting oh, that and, and saying, I'm not in a space to think about that gives you space to say, I'm not in a place to think about that today. You know, um, that's just so good. Um, anything you wish you had known before you had kids, if somebody's listening and they're, you know, pregnant with their first child, any <laughs> good advice that you got or you have learned since becoming a mom? I, um, so many things, uh, you know, as I'm approaching my due date for baby number two, I wish people had done a better job telling me about labor, but that's (laughs) sometimes that's something that you have to, you just kind of have to go through. But I, in a more serious note, I would say preparing you for the, the patience and the difficult decisions Mm -hmm. and that when the way you view the world, I, I view the world differently now than I did before I had Hattie. I am, I am admittedly, um, not the most, I would say like, I grew up with a lot of strong women in my family who did not have much and actually had a number of bad cards dealt to them. And they very much just made decisions and, and, and had a lot of grit. And so I think sometimes my prior to having Hattie, my world, my view of how people can approach life was maybe a little bit tough. Mm-hmm. I will, I will admit that. But then once I had Hattie and the way my heart, the way I felt for people and for things in the world changed dramatically. Yeah. And I, I'm at just, so that is something that I've learned I would also say just recognizing that how you care for yourself and the, the, the number of difficult decisions that you have to make and how you approach those decisions, yet again, more patience, more thoughtfulness. Uh, those have been some things that I have really learned. On a, you know, on a much lesser note, the thinking about how you prioritize your life uh, you know, that certainly changes and you know, that's going to change, but it's, it's one of those of until you are raising a child, it, it clicks so differently. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. We well, you know you're talking about your strong willed. She's what, two and a half. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so as you know, a mom and busy life, and you mentioned the word patience, which is something I would say that I very much, um, a struggle with coming from my home and you know you talked about kind of that past and our our history and our upbringing has so much to do with our worldview until we're given an opportunity to have a different worldview right so but as far as parenting in this you know moment of two and a half three-year-olds I know that that is or can be a difficult stage how do you find patience are there things you have read that have been really helpful to you in your parenting of a strong-willed toddler are there um, practices that you feel like you've learned from other mamas or are there things that you and Andy have really um, worked on together that seem to be effective because I know 
a lot of moms in my community, you know, we'll get together and it's like, oh, well, this is just two or this is three, this two shall pass, you know, but um, what, I, I guess, what things really have helped you really find those maybe levels of extra patience? Because I think everybody can use that. I think for me, it's consistently making sure that I'm thinking about what skills are going to be the most helpful for her as she grows older. So, and approaching discipline and approaching how we talk about things in our house in that manner of what are the skills that I want her to learn from me and to, to have. And so how do I, you know, as much as I, you know, I've already counted to three or, you know, those different techniques in the back of my mind, I, I want to be frustrated. I, it's the talking about our feelings and we've put, there's an amazing book uh, from Dolly from her imagination library program <laughs> yep. called, called rainbow. And we love that book and it's a favorite of Hattie's, but it's, it's amazing because they put colors with different feelings and, and while that is a book for her, it's also been a great book for us because we mm-hmm. use it and say, are you feeling red? Are you feeling green right now? And because of the pictures and the number of times we read that book, Hattie can associate those colors with her feelings. Mm-hmm. So using that, for me, it's how do I use this scenario or what whatever action or behavior she's displaying right now, how do we talk about it so that it's talked about in a healthy way and it sets her up to be to have those skills that we want her to have as she gets older so always having that bigger picture in my mind I think helps with the patients uh, but then also I think buying into the books that that they read that have really great messages and and not just thinking about those books at story time but thinking about how do you use those books in everyday conversation so that those books really do help teach those lessons. Yeah, no, I love that. I think, you know, I, I struggle with that, with patience and frustration. And I did an interview a couple weeks ago where she just talked about, um, her name was Sarah and she's actually my sister's sister-in-law, but she talked about, you know, if I'm telling them not to get frustrated or to have patience in moments of frustration, and then they see me completely lose it, like, (laughs) you know, what exactly is the message here that's getting sent? And I just, that just hit me so hard of thinking like, oh my gosh, like that is it, right? Um, So I, I think that's so good. And I think using those little books or little tools that are on their level of what they can understand is definitely uh-huh. helpful. Um, well, I wanted to, as we kind of start to wrap up a few things, I, I definitely wanted to talk about your volunteer role because you serve, um, in addition to being a full-time working mom and pregnant with number two and toddler, you also serve as a national vice president for our sorority for Alpha Sigma Alpha. And so can you talk a little bit about why that has been so important to you um, and why you continue to just make that a priority? Oh my goodness. That's, that's a hard one to put words to the, I have had the most amazing experience with the sorority from my time in college and the mentors that I have had access to and who have been there for me personally, professionally. Uh, I, I have been a I have benefited from that experience. And so 
I want to help ensure that the sorority can continue to do that for countless other members. And I, that's my drive. That is, that is why, and I will share with you, one of the questions asked during the most elections process was what's the most difficult part about serving on the national board. And I said, it's the time away from family. Yeah. Uh, Typically we would be doing some traveling to board meetings or to events, but it's mostly, it's the conference calls and, and just juggling those conference calls and the work groups. I also happen to serve as treasurer. I'm in my third year of serving as treasurer on the national board. And, you know, we, we, take on a number of projects. And so that's not just the conference calls, it's the time to dedicate on those projects. And and so that's the most difficult part is that time yeah. away from family. And that's what I shared during the, the process when I was being interviewed, um, going through the elections process again. And I, I, it is an amazing experience. It is, you know, it's a difficult, commitment because you're making decisions about the strategy in the future of something that you care so deeply about. Sure. But I, I continue to be driven by the fact that for the women who were in the position before me and the people that will be in the position after me, we do it so that we can have, we can provide this experience for, for members and that they can have a place where they can grow leadership skills where they can experiment where they can explore it's truly a safe space for members and Mm -hmm. i want to make sure that we continue to provide that especially in a really volatile world right now yeah well thank you for your leadership i mean asa has meant a ton to me as well and have always been involved in some kind of capacity over the past gosh i think (laughs) <laughs> like 20 years I joined in 2000 so I think yeah this is like my 20th you know anniversary uh-huh. as a member which is which is cool so um but I love that you make time to volunteer for things that are important to you um because I think that that communicates to our kids that there's we can always make space for things that are important Mm -hmm. to us and it's important for them to have those passions and have those things in their life too. So, um, before we wrap up, I wanted to talk about your kind of like mom or women group that you have. You have this group of women and you guys do these like annual girls trips and stuff. (laughs) And, And I always, you know, of course follow you on social media, but I love that you do that because I think, you know, it can be so easy for us as moms to put everything else ahead of ourselves. And um, what I have learned in my last like year and a half or so of being on a crazy mental health and, and physical health journey is that me filling up my own tank is serving my family because it allows me to serve them better. And I have not been able to really put my thumb on that until the past year and a half or so. So talk to listeners about why, you know, you do that, why that's so important to you, how you kind of um, have that and how you kind of have it as a priority and make sure that it's something that happens. I think it's, you know, just as you said, Nay, is that when we when we are at our best when our our needs are being met and that's holistically spiritually emotionally physically mentally and so that way we can help create that healthy lifestyle for our families and our friends the people that we care about again it's just that that commitment and that conversation with with andy of 
once a month we have a, a zoom call and that's on the family calendar and so he's lead parenting that bedtime at that night so that i can participate in those those calls and just connect and it's those monthly calls came to be because we we knew that we were all checking in with each other individually but it was nice for us just to be together yeah and we ask each other about how are you doing personally? How is your family? How are things going at work? I know you had this volunteer commitment. How did it go? So it's also a little bit of a, an accountability. Sure. And what's what's interesting is we've we've all grown so much in our careers and and personally, it's a great place for us to troubleshoot with each other. The number of practice conversations we've had with each other of I need to have this difficult conversation with a staff member. Can I can I do a run through with you? Mm. We together in that way. So for me, and a couple of them had babies before I did. Yeah. And so what was also really helpful is I felt like I had this buffet of choices. <laughs> um, this is how this person approaches this. This is how that person approached this. And I got to kind of pick from what I saw. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, they, and and that's you know me kind of making light of it, but it it is to have varied women who have some similarities to you but aren't the carbon copy of each other that you can have as a bank of resources Mm -hmm. and you know that but then I also think about it personally is that we've all we we know what it's like to be pulled in a lot of different directions and so to have a group of women that you can continuously go back and talk to and and just connect with on a on a spiritual level, on an emotional level, and then talk about life's challenges. And mm-hmm. the other thing that I, I appreciate about them is the, the the types of conversations we have are anything to what's happening in our society with our government to the organizations that we personally care about and then also about you know the health and well-being of our families. So it is it's a group of women where nothing's off limits and um, they they love me unconditionally and 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 I love them unconditionally as well. So they that I need that I need that those people to to support me and to talk through life's challenges with. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I I think we all need that. If you are listening and you do not have a group of women in your life that can just surround you and whether that is like, hey, I'm coming to get your kids this afternoon so that you can have two hours of time to do nothing or hey, um, I am thinking about you and praying for you or hey, I know you're in a difficult season of work. Um, I just want to let you know I believe in you. If you do not have that, man, seek that out because they are out there. I am so thankful for the group of women that I have in my life that I can just call and be like, I'm not doing great today or I'm doing awesome. How can I help you? You know, it it really is that ebb and flow of there's going to be seasons where some of the women in the group are really struggling and others are really doing okay and others are excelling. And so I feel like it's just so important to have those women in your life. You know, faith is really important to me and scripture even says like we were made to be in community. And I think that that is just so important um, for our mental health, emotional health, and just being able to learn from each other, like you said, like 
hey, I really like how you handled that situation with your kid. Let me pick up that little <laughs> nugget of wisdom. You know, hey, like, I really like the way you do this in your marriage. I, th this whole uh, lead parent thing that you talked about, that is going in the Mills library. Like, I am loving, I am loving that. Because Jeff and I are very intentional, but every night at bedtime, it's like, who put him to bed last night? You put him to bed. No, I put him to bed. <laughs> so, like, I love, I love this lead parenting thing. If I've got a conference call, it goes in the Google calendar and it invites you to the person and it'll say LP Andy and then it'll say Amber has, you know, board call. That's or fantastic. But and then that way we've got it labeled. And that was something that I learned from one of the, the women that's in, you know, my my community. I love and, it. And you know, when you think about it, at our core as humans, we need to be needed and we need mm -hmm. to you, know, you think about our hierarchy of needs, and of course, you need safe shelter and food and, and water. But as you move up in the hierarchy of needs, it's human connection. Yes. And, and we have to be thoughtful about what human connection looks like to us right now. But there are, there are ways to achieve that. And whether it's a FaceTime call or um, when the pandemic, like right before the pandemic started uh, or it, we before we were all on lockdown you know a friend threw her family in the car and they drove down from indianapolis and and when she was here she knew i was sick from and had no energy and she was like i'll cook i got it i got the snacks for the kids like you you yeah. sit and and i didn't want to but i i didn't fight her on it and it i needed it and it was but what that that type that's that type of love that she showed to throw her family in the car and make a, a drive through the Blue Ridge Mountains and then come here and, and stay in my house and take care of the cooking and the cleaning. That Those are the things you do when you when you really love and care about not only your friend, but their family. Absolutely. I mean, it, was, it was so funny. She gave a haircut to Andy. She gave Patty a haircut. <laughs> and it's the reason why I think it's those relationships are so strong is because we've not only made the investment in our friend, we've made the investment in their children and their partners yep. and the rest of their, their professional lives, whether, you know, or their commitments to the community. We've invested in them as, and everything that that means. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. I love that. Well, this has been awesome. And, you know, you're talking about intentional conversations, starting this podcast and getting to talk to a fellow working mama every week for the last 22 weeks has just been awesome. And, you know, it's something I never would have done. I would have never had 22 intentional conversations with mamas about their lives had I not started this. And, you know, that has just been great because it was like right at the pandemic. And so every week I get to have like a 45, 10 minute to an hour long conversation mm -hmm. about all things. Um, and so I appreciate you taking the time today out of your busy schedule to chat. Um, is there anything else that you, you know, wanted to share with the people who are listening? I would say something that I used to share when I volunteered as a chapter advisor is know your non-negotiables in life mm. and be confident in them. As women, we, we tend to, uh, you know, compromise a lot mm -hmm. and, that, and that's a good thing, but not to the point where you sacrifice something that's important to you. So determine your non-negotiables in life. And that could be about relationships that could be about goals for that you have for work. That could be about something you're volunteering with or about your faith, whatever it may be. Um, I would say spend some time, think about them, write them down and, 
and commit to them and of course reevaluate them, but don't, don't shy away from them. Yeah. I love that. I love that. Well, thank you so much for joining me today, Amber. This has been great. Oh my God. I can only imagine how much you're learning about, you know, we've known each other for 16 years and, and I know the other working mamas and women that you've been uh, interviewing on the podcast because I I really enjoyed it. I like to listen to it while I'm walking. Thank you. But I can imagine like there are questions that you ask and you say, oh, I knew they were going to say that. But then there are other questions you ask you, you learn something about somebody. A hundred percent. Yeah. A hundred percent. I, you know, I always kind of pose some questions just knowing individuals. Um, (laughs) But then other things I'm, I'm very surprised by sometimes. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, awesome. Well, thank you so much. Wow. Well, that was so fun to talk with her and hear about, gosh, how she's navigated everything this year from being really sick in pregnancy to a pandemic to a new job and having to just ask things of her staff that were unexpected. And then I especially loved her view of balance and putting up boundaries in her life. So good. So I hope today was a blessing for you. I hope that you're having just a wonderful week or day or evening or morning whenever you get 45 minutes to tune into the podcast. I hope that it blesses your life. And as always, if you can comment or share this episode so that other mamas know about us and can find us, I would really appreciate it. Thanks, as always, for joining me on today's episode of the Memoirs from the Minivan Podcast. Thank you.